Hello and welcome into another episode of Lessons in Product Management. I'm your host, John Fontenot. We're on season four and we're focused on building a core competency around discovery because I truly believe that product teams that do discovery well will give their organization a competitive advantage against others who are doing other stuff. On today's episode, we get to speak with Jarrod Ali, product manager at Toggle Tracks. But before becoming a PM, Jarrod founded his own B2C startup in the sports entertainment world. And regardless whether he's in a B2C startup or an established B2B SaaS company like Toggle Tracks, he firmly believes that you can't solve customer problems unless you're consistently talking to customers to truly understand what those problems are. Right. There's a lot that we covered, but I particularly enjoyed our conversation around how discovery can help with market validation. You ask questions like, are you attracting the right customers? Is your mission sound? Do you need to rethink fundamental aspects of your business like product development and go-to-market strategy? Um, all great questions to ask, whether you're in a startup or an established business. We tackle a lot of stuff here, so I really hope you enjoy the conversation. This is Less Than Product Management. Let's get started. All right. Hey, John. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, John. Uh, very glad to be here as well. Awesome. Awesome. So before we get started, could you give the listeners a brief introduction of yourself, a little bit about your background and, and how you got into product? Yeah. So I'm a startup founder and product manager. Uh, very briefly, I have around four plus years of product building experience. I started off with my own little startup. We were trying to build sports video technology and products that could automatically create highlights. We started with basketball, made a couple of pivots, couldn't make it work, shut it down in summer of 2019. After that, pivoted into product management, did a little bit of consulting, some part-time work, and then you know get, started working full-time. Uh, right now, I'm the product manager for native applications at Toggle Track, which is a very cool time tracking company. Uh, we're fully remote. We have been for quite a while now, even before COVID. So okay. yeah, and I'm really loving the work there. Awesome, awesome. So I'm I'm curious, what what got you into startups, and um, specifically the one that that you launched? Yeah, so I'm a big basketball fan. So okay. I follow NBA religiously. Uh, go Warriors. I'm a Warriors fan, uh, not because of Stephen Curry. I've been f- following the Warriors ever since his rookie year, but I know the bad years as well. So all those horrible years, I don't know what they were doing. Anyways, so uh, I'm a big basketball fan. And because I was, I'm based in Pakistan, I, you, I, I didn't have any opportunity to watch live games. They would either be like super early in the morning or my classes would be going on. I was doing an electrical engineering at that time. So I just got this idea out of the blue. I I would sit at the back of my lectures and use my friend's phone to uh, catch up on highlights and whatnot and see play by play. So I just had this somehow this idea came to my like, why can I get like play by play video clips of every play, right? So that's the main inception of the idea. And we just decided to, I just decided to like build it myself and like took part in a startup weekend. That was kind of like the spark and, you know, recruited a couple of friends and started going. So, yeah. Awesome. That sounds like a a pretty typical founder story where you have a a problem and you have to solve your own problem. Did did you do, (laughs) do you do any work to like, 
learn from other people if they had the same problem or did you just like have your problem and, and dive right into solving it? Yeah. So like for the first year or so, I, we had no idea what we were doing. So, but I was reading all the time, anything startup related, all the, you know, the main startup books that everybody recommends. I went through those and I was in my mind, I tried to do as much as possible to do the right thing as much as possible. Uh, we did try to obviously, uh, as soon as we understood what it means to actually how, what it means to actually build a product. We started talking to customers more, possible users more. So we started to understand what the real problem was. Uh, we were focusing on the B2B side in the beginning. So most of our discussions were around there with organizations, with other content providers, license holders and whatnot. So in the beginning, like the first two, three, four months, uh, obviously you, you have no idea what you're doing. So you're just like, but the more we understood how, how things should be, the better we got at it and yeah it's uh, we understood that there was this like problem that could be solved and we realized that it wasn't because the technology wasn't there it was just because there were some other factors at place such as like licensing deals and regulation and stuff like that yeah. you if you still go to the nbs website they have their own play-by-play area but it's still not good let's just put that lightly so but it is what it is uh bleacher report is doing a pretty good job when it comes to like play-by-play updates at least it's fun now a little more fun so yeah oh cool and it sounds like there's there's a few takeaways like in, in what you were explaining there right like you um you found out like you went and learned what you didn't know right so you asked for advice people turned you on to books and that's what kind of um got you introduced to this concept of whether it's lean startup or how to build a startup talking to customers and so it, it kind of got you on the right track to get started and then uh, there seems to be like there was already a recognition that like you needed to de-risk things whether it's from a legal perspective or otherwise and so uh, i'm curious did, did those things kind of come intuitively of saying hey this is licensed nba content we need to figure out how to work around these licensing issues or like how did that come up yeah so it's like you know if you're building a product any product at the end of the day especially if you're a startup founder it's kind of like you live in this paradoxical world where it's your job to take the biggest risk but at the same time you're always de-risking everything so it's like i'm going to you know let's say jump to the moon but i'm going to find the safest way to get there you know there's no safe way to go to the moon right now so you know then you have elon musk building these rockets so which are essentially icbms but glorified icbms at the end of the day right so i mean that was kind of like the world that i realized you we were living in uh so we automatically i mean if I wish I had learned this lesson much earlier that like the sooner you start selling, I mean, it sounds so logical. The sooner you start selling, the easier things get because it forces you to think about your business model. And when, and when it forces you to think about your business model, you start thinking about these things more focusedly. Before, if you, if you just talk to your customers from a perspective like, what product will get us traction from a user base perspective you're only looking at it from a what can i do to build a product 
But if you start looking at it from day zero, like what do I need to build to actually make some money? Like, let's just call it what it is. It's a business. You have to make money. You automatically start thinking, out, okay, what, what business am I in exactly? What kind of business model I have to be? And then the product becomes that kind of like vehicle that gets you to that promised land. And that's what it is at the end of the day. So like in the beginning, we were talking to all these customers. We were in our minds validating the right problem statements or the figuring out the right problems to solve. In the beginning, we obviously started from the solution space, you know, which was the biggest mistake anybody makes, but we didn't know what we were doing. And like, if I went back and I did not start it from there, we still wouldn't have gotten this far because like it was this personal thing, personal need. And I knew I wanted to solve it that way. So you were kind of like working backward, but then I ended, then we understood like, maybe there's a better problem to solve. Maybe, you know, so it's a, it's, it's a, it's an evolutionary journey. And like a lot of people, so like this is one thing where uh this is my last thought and then we you know i'll give it back to you but a lot of people say that you should learn as much as possible from other people's mistakes uh especially from the perspective that you know it's it's uh, you shouldn't let's say if you're working on a solution and you only have a solution in mind because it's a personal need, you shouldn't work on it. You should first go out and verify the problem behind it. I disagree with that. The reason why I disagree with that is because the, and if you don't have that spark, whether it's coming from a problem space or a solution space, you're never going to get anywhere. So I'm a big believer in letting people make their own version of their own mistakes. I don't know if that makes sense. Right. So, uh, I mean, a lot of things, a lot of things I read in books, in all the startup books that you can find and all the thought leaders you can read. Right. But they only made sense when I made mistakes that fell into those buckets. Now, I would like to say this because I had read that material and I could connect to it. As soon as I would make a mistake, I knew this is what I did wrong and I wouldn't make it again. And that's something that I would really recommend people like just keep reading because it just uh, uh, reduces the cycles of mistakes that you'll have to make. I don't know if that makes sense. So oh, yeah. yeah, sorry to go on that huge tangent there. No, I, I think there's a lot to unpack there, but, but I'll start with the last thing you said, because like a lot of people that I talked to coming out of, out of undergrad was, was like, Oh, you should go right away and do your MBA. And to me, I was like, that sounds good. And, and fortunately life situations didn't allow me to, to pursue it right away. And I ended up doing it like six or seven years into my career. But when I was going through the MBA, I could relate it back to the experiences I was having in other roles that I've had. So it made more sense and it clicked. And I think that's, that's kind of what you're saying around, like, it, it's, it's good to read the, the theory and to, to see the frameworks, but whenever you have the chance to apply it yourself, or if you, you know, started with experience and then learned something else, it like, then it starts making sense. So you have to have your own personal experiences or it doesn't fully click. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, just, just start doing something and you're already ahead of the pack. Right. So we, we have this, I mean, obviously we have this culture where we want to de-risk everything as much as possible. So we're big proponents of you have to learn first and then apply, right? So you can learn while doing as well. That's why we have this thing called apprenticeships, right? So I hope uh, we get, we're starting to get 
uh, a version of apprenticeships in the product world as well where you where we used to have junior product managers associate product managers now we have this thing called i think product associates where you know i don't know where they fall but let's just call let's say you know we have someone who's really passionate like we have product internships what's the next step product apprenticeship so like you can learn while doing and i'm a big proponent of learning while doing obviously not everything like you need specialized training in something you can't be a pilot if you don't know how to you know uh, fly out so but at the same time especially if you're trying to build something just just get at it right so it's uh, the best thing you can do is like whatever you read just try to apply it in some manner i know it's like everybody says that but no one does that so even if you don't read anything the best thing you can do is just whatever comes whatever makes sense to you just do that right if you so yeah at the end of the day it's about what you're willing to do yeah no and i work with a lot of aspiring product managers and and that that's great advice right like if you want to get into product and you want to learn it and show that you can you can do it do it like yeah the best way yeah it's uh it's a funny it's a funny thing because I have a lot of aspiring product managers reach out to me and they're asking like, what can we do to break into product manager? What can we do to become pro- better product managers? What can we do to hone our skills? So like uh, the requests were quite a few. So I said, okay, I'm just gonna, instead of like responding to everyone, I, I try to respond as much as possible and help out as much as possible because it's not easy out there. Yeah. So I said, wrote this blog post, which where I just listed on all the material that had the most impact on me. And uh, I, if you go back and read that post at the bottom, at the last section, I talk about the most aspect, which is the biggest aspect, which is whatever you read, whatever you read, apply it in your product building journey, right? Just start building a product. You don't have to actually build a product or release a product. Just try to go through the motions, talk to users, validate a uh, problem, validate a solution, prototype something, build a go-to-market strategy, do even if you just go through those motions right it's kind of like sparring before a boxing match right even if you spar you still get good idea about okay you know what my instincts have to be so like when you actually get into the ring you can at least move around you're gonna you're still gonna get knocked down we still get knocked down like i have four plus years of experience and still a lot of you know stuff trips me up but at the same time you at least know your way around the ring and that's the goal at the end of the day so i just tell them like just even if you can't build a product just go through the motions right so it's uh, uh, and the more and you don't have to be perfect at it uh, even if you let's say you just talk to one user right just take those insights assume whatever problem you frustration you come up with validate it with one more user and then do the same thing like even if it's just one user but go through the whole cycle and the more times you go through all the motions the better you will be and it's like it's amazing what you can achieve if you do this uh consciously in just like three to six months like i yeah yeah i agree i want to go back to something you said earlier like in your startup days when you actually got out and started trying to sell the product right um i, I what comes to my mind is there's there's this inherent testing of assumptions that goes into selling where you're testing value you're testing potentially usability desirability some of those key things that we test as pm and so i was wondering to talk a second about like how that experience of selling like transitions or carries over to the product management world where we're, we're not only building products to be sold but we're also trying to sell our ideas and not our not our ideas but we're trying to sell the work that we're trying to accomplish even internally with stakeholders 
yeah it's so i like to like my friends hate this phrase now because i say it all the time but everything boils down to economics right and what i mean by that is let's say you 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 have just an idea and it's just on your napkin or anything right and you try and go out to just sell that thing whatever it is and uh, once you've gone through your pitch your prospect has a certain idea about what he's trying to sell me on and what value he is trying to let's say bring to my world let's assume that you uh, you're a great salesman you start from the problem space for let's just assume that right so like you really connect with the problem that they have and they'll feel like oh man this guy understands you know the problem that we have right now it's like we don't have the technology to process 20 simultaneous games in real time over cloud so his technology could really help us do that in real time and give us play by play clips and we can have that out into social on social media platform in like 10 20 seconds like he understands the problem perfectly if you understand their problem they're more willing to talk to you and give you money so then let's say you put a price to it and they ask okay what's the do you have this ready and you go like okay we have this ready let's say you're faking it for now you know i i'm not a big fan of it but you know so for the thought process even if you're not faking it let's just say you say yeah we'll have this built but this is going to cost you this much for this this is etc let's say we want to get some commitment in some sort and they like okay come back to us with a working demo or something ask them a proper dollar value like okay we're going to sell you this for this amount as soon as you put a dollar figure to anything whether it's internally externally automatically people look at your product a different way because now they're trying to think of it from an economics perspective does this actually give us enough value for us to pay this amount even if the product is ready or not right so coming back to talking or selling to internal stakeholders or getting their buy in it's the same thing at the end of the day you have to look at from their perspective like whatever initiative we trying to uh, bring to the table or try to convince them on does it make sense for them from an economic perspective right so you know the whole thing around as product managers do you build or buy anything at the end of the day right so the bigger you are the more pocket you have to build something the smaller you are you, like if you can find something open source off the shelf and it saves you time you would most likely go the buy route so it's everything boils down to economics but it's on the product managers to see and craft that into a narrative around okay what do those economics actually look like right so uh, i give everyone this advice just think around what the economics mean uh how much would they be willing to give out of their pockets like when you're starting to build a product try to do pre-sales if you're trying to you know uh if you're trying to sell something internally to internal stakeholders uh basically the currency that you're dealing in is resources and time right and both of them have a cost attached to it you can do a quick analysis around what it would cost a company to do any initiative and that's why uh a big chunk of our role is prioritization because we're prioritizing where our time and resources go so it's an economic problem to solve at the end of the day so product management is basically economic management at the end of the day
So just think of it from that perspective and things start to be just more uh, clearer to like decide upon and you realize, oh, this doesn't make sense from economic perspective now. It, you know, so it's not a big deal. Like the iPhone 13 mini does not have 120 Hertz. Uh, it might be a big deal from a marketing perspective, but for the average consumer who wants a small phone, they don't care about it because they don't even see the screen that much because they just want a phone. They don't want a, they want a laptop in their hand at the end of the day, right? So it's, uh, uh, at the end of the day, it's all about the economics. Uh, I know we try to not boil things down to money or economics, but it is what it is, right? So we can't really run from it. Uh, you're, you're mute, I think, John. Sorry, Zoom fails. <laughs> Don't worry uh, about it. <laughs> so it, it's funny because I get asked a lot, you know, like what happens if there's a conflict between the business objective and the customer problems, right? Like what if the customer wants something that doesn't help us meet a business objective? And it's like, well, hmm. maybe you get away with that once or twice. But if you don't hit your business objectives, then you don't have a business. And if you don't have a business, you can't solve anyone's problems. <laughs> so okay. That's like, that's like the holy grail problem in product management, right? And uh, number one, I highly recommend reading uh, Continuous Discovery Habits by Teresa Torres. Any and everything she's written or talked about, whatever material you can get, it's all gold. If you can, uh, you know, her book is the perfect kind of like Bible for this uh, at the end of the day, you know, so uh, if you've read Inspired, Empowered, Continuous Discovery Habits fits right in. So number one, I highly recommend that book. It talks about the exact problem that, you know, you just talked about. The other thing is the way I approach it is like, I decide, we decide for the long term and we optimize for the short term. Like that's how I approach things. So for example, uh, in the long term, you need to satisfy and delight your customer, right? But right now you need to have a business. Your business objectives might go against customer objectives for now. Can you tolerate that for the short term? So like, let's say you achieve those business objectives in the short term, does that give you enough runway that you can align both aspects in the long term, go ahead. If you can't, you need to really think around whether your mission is right, whether you know, you're, whether you're solving for the right customer, right? A lot of times when your business objectives and customer objectives differ, in some cases, it's like, maybe you're focusing on the wrong customer, right? So it's a, uh that can happen sometimes but uh, you're always prioritizing between one or the other uh, i always try to have a bias towards customers because we're supposed to be you know mindful about what they want and what they need uh, it's just that we instead of thinking that these things go uh, you know kind of like are at odds to each other the more we build the mindset that you know we're achieving our business of objectives to delight customers right that just a shift in mindset can have a long lasting impact right so and i believe uh, 
the product-led growth models that we now follow across the product industry uh, was born out of that kind of like philosophy, right? Okay, uh, does this solve our customers' problems so well that they would be willing to fuel our business growth by themselves? You know, the Slack is the perfect example, as everybody knows, right? So it's, I think that's that's what it boils down to. But it's not easy. Uh, like talking about it seems like it's like super simple. It's not at all. The best thing you can do, the best framework I've come across is decide for long-term because as product managers, as product people, we're responsible for the long-term strategy and vision. Just make sure your strategy is aligned with your customers' objectives. Decide for the long-term, optimize for the short-term, and then rigorously try to figure out where you went wrong because you are going wrong somewhere if you're not aligned in both. So a lot of companies don't like to look inwards. They just like to, you know, let's not uh, keep that. Uh, they don't want to open up that kind of worms. And you can go and you can go quite far just by ignoring that aspect, right? So like you can go a couple of years, you know, and a couple of years is a long time at the end of the day. Uh, or seems like it's a long time. So it's the the real great product leaders that I've I've seen do this rigorously. They're not they're very mindful about this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great insight around if your business objectives and your customer objectives are misaligned long enough or often enough, then you probably might have the wrong customer set. And and I think that's a great yeah. call out, right? Because like. The common thread that I see across product management is like we're always trying to identify and test assumptions, right? And yeah, and whether or not we have like people talk about product market fit, but that assumes that you're going after the right market with the right solution for that market to yeah. their problems yeah. that they'll pay for. And so going back to those core assumptions of have we identified and framed the problem correctly? Have we identified the right customer segment? And even yeah. like even bleeding into marketing, like are are we are we going to where they are, right? If if they're yep. a small business yep. segment that gets all their information from YouTube, then why are we putting LinkedIn ads, right? We're not even talking to our customers. Yep. Yep. yep, exactly. It's 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 like uh, that's why I kind of like love the jobs to be done framework because totally. it kind of like takes out that uh, uh, ambiguity that comes into like the whole user persona side of things like you can have all these user personas and they might still not give you enough insight but if you can really nail the exact job that your customer is trying to solve it it's a it's a it's a great insight and then you can just work backwards from them and you can build your ideal customer profile and you can just go from there for i i'd like to give a, a i like to give toggle tracks example there shout out to toggle track right i gotta i gotta bring my company in right so it's uh uh, uh when you when you look at a lot of these time tracking companies a lot of our competitors i'm not going to name any of those because a lot of them are doing some good work and a lot of these products out there they cater to this kind of like need to surveil employees at the end of the day right so this surveillance kind of like need that this post covid world has now yeah. and toggle has had a very strong stance against that and they came out with their own mission and you know they have a 
they let it know be known that they're not going to go down that path. We're not going to build products or features that will help you surveillance your employees at the end of the day. And obviously, that is a big decision because you know you're leaving a lot of money on the table because everybody wants that. You know, at, at least. Every company with a big boss mind, you know, big brother mindset wants that at the end of the day. So the reason why I say that example is we understood that the customer that we were trying to focus on was not the big brother type of customer. Right. It was the customer that's very mindful about their employees' well-being. They're very mindful about work and personal life boundaries, right? And they're very mindful about giving them their space, their area to just, uh, and trusting their employees to get the work done at the end of the day. So it's, uh, uh, that's kind of like the core example of where it see, uh, your solution can still work for that customer, but you realize that's not the customer you want to serve. And uh, it's an evolving process at the end of the day. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's up to every let's say product organization to figure out that in an evolving process. Like, do you have those processes in place or that mindset in place where you're always rethinking around who your ideal customer is, and it goes on and on and on. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think people use the expression right: if you try to solve for everyone, you solve for no one. But but I, I think at the core, it it really comes down to strategy, right? Strategy requires you to say no to certain things so you can say yes to certain things and, and whether that's customer segmentation whether that's how you prioritize which opportunities you solve like to to be strategic as a product manager you, you can't you can't take the approach of saying oh well my customer wants this so i'm going to build it there there has to be a, a more methodical thought out process behind why you choose to do what you do yeah it's uh, i mean a part of it is that our customer wants it, uh, but the real kind of like art is in figuring out why exactly do they want it in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. So if you ask someone, uh, do you want a light bulb? And they'll be like, yeah, we want a light bulb. Why do they want a light bulb? They want a light bulb because they need light. You know, light bulb is not the only source of light is a, you know, you have sun as well. If they want to work during the daytime at night, there are other ways as well. So the point I'm trying to make is like just trying to understand like why they have their need in the first place. You know, I, I have this joke where, uh, you know, the whole take on how many, so like how many product managers does it take to change a light bulb, right? Mm -hmm. So the joke goes something like one to do user research, one to validate it, one to write the PRD, one to mock up some, industrial design prototypes and you know one product manager to come in and say we don't need a light bulb at the end of the day we have natural light right so it's like that's that's the that, that, that's kind of like a little tongue-in-cheek joke, uh, joke just talking about that but it's uh and it's not easy figuring that out you know we're still like uh trying to come up with the best process to figure out how to best figure out <laughs> the right problem to solve and it's an evolving discipline evolving process but the more you stay close to your customers worldview the more you try to understand the job that they're hiring your product to do uh, the easier it becomes right so 
on the surface uh, you might need time tracking products to track your time maybe you need them to be more productive now those are completely different jobs to be done uh, and you know depending upon the customer you could build accordingly so and like the same uh, uh, the same example as before as an employer uh, do you want to keep an eye on your employees or do you want to you know uh, help them become more productive and trust them to get the job done so those are completely different jobs to be done from an b2b perspective and on the surface the products might look quite similar but as time goes on they're going to diverge so yeah i used to work for a time tracking company too so we we could we could chat offline about uh, about some of those things <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's an interesting area right now definitely so yeah uh, i would love to talk about time tracking all day you know it's a space we definitely passionate about productivity at large so yeah but we don't want to bore your you know users right now so <laughs> or, or, or sorry your viewers right now yeah or talk about anything confidentially there so <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but then this this was a great conversation i i appreciate you jumping on and, and chatting through some of your experiences as a, a startup founder and how that transitioned into to product management and i think there was there was a wealth more that we could dive into so we, we might have to do a round 2 but uh, i i appreciate the time for today absolutely absolutely we'd love to hop on for any any product discussion uh, i enjoyed being here as well it was fun to chat product with you that was jadad ali product manager at toggle tracks i really hope you enjoyed this conversation i know that i did and i love 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 talking to all these product managers from around the world who have different perspectives and unique insights based on their experience Um, there's always something to learn so always be learning and especially around this concept of discovery because truly truly i believe that if you can master discovery and continue to improve on your discovery habits you are going to set yourself apart from your competition and be a differentiator for your business in what you uncover and the insights you find your discovery efforts so keep doing it keep honing your craft keep listening to these episodes find mentors in the space read continuous discovery habits like Jadot said there's a lot of great content out there so brush up hone up and level up this is lessons in product management i'll see you next time